This season of Smashing the Ceiling is brought to you by the Skylark Collective. Skylark is a new London-based network for women in podcasting, and this year we'll be hosting the inaugural International Women's Podcast Awards at the Albright in London. The collective exists to raise the voices of women in podcasting, both behind the mic and behind the scenes, and to showcase the work of women out there producing incredible audio moments through the medium of podcasting. So if you've got your own podcast or you're thinking of starting one, Head to our website at skylarkcollective.co.uk for more information or follow us on socials at the Skylark Collective. Now, on with the show. You know, she was always my style icon growing up. So I was like, oh my God, I'm getting to like dress my style icon. And I must admit, she was the, she was the most amazing woman I've ever met. Absolutely gorgeous. So beautiful. Like when you see her in pictures, that is really how she looks in real life. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to Smashing the Ceiling with me, Naomi Mella. On this podcast, we love to showcase the lives of women who have achieved amazing things in their careers, those who've got a really cool or unusual job, and some who've just had a really interesting life. If you're looking for inspiration for your career, if you feel a little stuck or bored with what you're doing right now, or if you're in search of the road less travelled job-wise, then this is the podcast for you. Each week, I sit down with one woman to dig a little deeper into the how of it all. How did they get where they are? How did they pick themselves up when things didn't go right? And how their mentors, mistakes and motivations have led them to achieve the things they have. They say that you should never meet your heroes. But what if you do and it turns out to be amazing? In the case of Christine Kilty, she met her style icon Gwen Stefani while working at Vivian Westwood in London, and her career trajectory altered irrevocably from there. Christine is a fashion stylist and creative director, coordinating shoots for some of the world's biggest fashion magazines. She trained at Central St. Martin's College before working for the likes of Alexander McQueen during her illustrious career to this point. Her fashion consultancy business, The Fierce Group, was founded in 2020 in the height of the pandemic and Christine was also featured in Vogue last year, discussing novel ways of working in the fashion industry during COVID. If you're into fashion or you know anyone that is, this is absolutely the episode for you. I got to know Christine about a year ago. She is so lovely and we started by chatting about her upbringing in Ireland. How did you become interested in fashion in the first place, Christine? I love that you wanted to be a marine biologist, but found out that in Ireland, you'd end up working on a salmon farm. <laughs> love that. Um, how did you go from kind of marine biology to, to fashion? I mean, it's a big jump. It's a big jump. I know. Well, the funny thing is, I, I was always really, really into fashion. Fashion and animals have been my passion since childhood. And I remember my first style icon was, you know, I think he's B.A. Baracus from the A-Team. <laughs> And I got like the jewelry set for Christmas and it was tons of like gold necklaces and massive rings and earrings. And I had that when I was about four years old. So that kind of really kickstarted my passion for accessorizing and style. And I also remember during my childhood, like um, being really inspired by Jean-Paul Gaultier, like seeing lots of articles about him in the 80s, because I guess he was like the kind of shocking designer that was, you know, making waves. And I used to sit in my room and always draw like um, kind of denim dungarees inspired by Jean-Paul Gaultier. So that passion for 
design and expression and style definitely started from a really young age. And then my parents always encouraged self-expression and being artistic. So they sent me to dance school to go to theater. They took me to loads of art galleries. So from as, as young as I can remember, I always had that interest. And even as a child, you know, again, from the age of like four or five upwards, it would be a regular occurrence where I raid my mom's wardrobe and then I would put on fashion shows. <laughs> <laughs> and I would do like styling like hair and makeup and even I found recently it was when I was about seven or eight I used to do photo shoots with my mom and I would like dress Aww. the living room and with like fancy fabrics and do like crazy hairstyles and put my mom in outfits and pose her so you know I kind of what I'm doing now I was doing as a child it was just how I used to play and pass the time so I the guess calling it, was early hey the calling was early <laughs> yeah and, like even you know like Halloween was my favorite time of the year I'm like oh I'm gonna be a punk I'm gonna like make my own <laughs> earrings and do all of this like that was like the ultimate time of the year for me like coming up with a costume so um yeah I, it's kind of funny when I look back because I'm like god I've been doing what I do now as a career since I'm a child it's what I always love to do so so yeah the the interest and the passion was there from as far back as I can remember that's amazing. And I can just, is, is Mommy Christine like very well dressed as well? I sort of imagine her in my head to be like a yeah, super stylish lady. She is, she is. But although I have to say with my dad, it's my dad who's all about the style and the coordination. Oh. Like he's really, my dad's into like matchy matchy stuff. So, you know, even if it's, even if he's going jogging, if it's, you know, like a certain color jacket, he'll have the trainers to match or like the sunglasses to match the trainers. So I think I got like that inspiration of like color coordinating things definitely from my dad yeah okay my father-in-law is exactly the same we always say that he has an outfit the right outfit for every occasion yeah and yeah he is like all about looking <laughs> looking the part and he is a stylish man I love that I love a stylish yeah, man that's yeah. so cool um so you started initially studying um like fiber art and textiles more on the kind of um practical side of things how did you get into that um, initially? And because you started off in Ireland before you came over to London to go to St. Martin's. Uh, do you want to just talk us a little bit about your path into that? And were you kind of encouraged down that road? Or did you have to really kind of forge that yourself through school and, and drive that along? Or, or were people there encouraging you from an early age? Yeah, my family always encouraged me to, you know, express, express myself through art from a very young age. So it seemed really natural for me to go to art college. I think at the time I was a bit scared. I was like, oh God, maybe I'm not good enough to get into an art college. And I had this fantastic teacher that taught me in my final year of school. Um, and, and she was like, no, you can totally apply, go for it, you know. And with that, I set out and, you know, sent my portfolio out and got accepted to different art colleges. So from there, it was, you know, I, I knew I was in the right place. From day one, I just thought, oh, my God, I'm living my dream. I get to do art and draw and paint every day, like, and be in my own world. It was fantastic. Um, but yeah, I started out doing fiber art. So I spent three years at a college in Dublin. So it was kind of fine art and textiles, mixed media art. They were amazing. They were like, just go for it. If you want to, you know, do something that's the side of a, a wall on a building, go for it. If you want to do something that's tiny, go for it. If you want to make a sculpture, I mean, it could have been anything you wanted. So I think to have that for three years where they're just like, yeah, cut loose, go for it. And have that kind of encouragement was really, really amazing, actually. Um, and then from there, I, I applied to St. Martin's to do textile design. I moved to London about 2003. 
Um, did three years at St. Martin's and absolutely loved it. Did print, knit and weave. So all of that kind of drawing and fine art was brought into the preparation for making textiles. And then I ended up specializing in knitwear in, in the end. So yeah, so really, really loved my time there. And Central St. Martin's, for anyone that doesn't know, although I'm sure everybody does, is the world's leading college of fashion and art, really, isn't it? Yes. What was the sort of experience of going from, I mean, Dublin is a massively cosmopolitan city. And, and, you know, for anyone listening who hasn't been to Dublin, it is one of my favourite cities in the world. (laughs) Um, But, you know, London is is a, a much bigger city and from a fashion perspective is 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 you know I don't think it's a slur on Dublin to say that London is a lot more kind of world leading in the fashion stakes what was it like kind of transitioning into going to St Martin's and taking that step up I guess Christine yeah I mean I think Dublin 20 years ago was very different to Dublin today it's definitely it seemed mm, like a true. much smaller city so and I suppose quite a lot more conservative back then as well actually wouldn't it a, a little bit more yeah you're right um so going from Dublin to London it was just a huge jump and I was like oh my god this is so huge how do I get around like I would come out <laughs> of the tube station and get lost on my way to uni and have to get a cab you know even even though it was just like a 30 second walk from the station like I found it so overwhelming at the beginning um, and I think I was just introduced to people you know from all over the world who would come to study at St Martin's and I was kind of like oh god um I'm just like this little girl from Dublin so it was a little overwhelming and intimidating but I absolutely loved it and threw myself into it so uh so yeah, I think it was like the the best thing that could have happened to me, just kind of landing in London without a clue, <laughs> having to divine my way creatively. <laughs> and you found your way creatively to um, Alexander McQueen, which is a pretty fucking massive first gig, Christine. Like, you know, as yeah. an intern, I imagine it to be terribly competitive. Um, how did you kind of go about getting in through the door there? Because what a job. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really fantastic. Well, I approached them just coming up to fashion week. So that's when they're really, you know, needing all hands on deck and loads of people in the studio. And I had a friend who was in the year above me who was interning and he was like, why don't you come down? So he spoke to one of the designers. Um, And obviously I studied textiles. I didn't study fashion at that point. Um, So it was a bit nerve wracking to go down with a portfolio full of like drawings and mixed media and like knitted swatches of fabrics. And they were like, yeah, but can you pat and cut? And I was kind of like, uh, no. <laughs> um, but thankfully with McQueen, there's, you know, all of these kind of amazing catwalk pieces where they need people to, to sit down and hand stitch stuff for like days on end or, you know, do embroideries and things like that. So I got put working on um, with the person who kind of did the textiles and the embroideries and the show pieces and things like that. So that was pretty amazing. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then it kind of went on from there because one day I just went into the studio and the menswear designer, um, I just asked him and I said, oh, do you need any help? I'm not working on anything at the moment. And he was like, yeah, in fact, I'd like you to do X, Y and Z. And it turned out the two guys that were doing menswear um, were actually branching off to work with Lee, Lee McQueen at the time, to set up uh, the brand MCQ. They liked what I did. So then they were like, okay, well, Christine's our intern now. <laughs> we're keeping her. Um, <laughs> She's and yes, coming with us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So I basically worked with them for a few months doing the research for the new brand that was that was launched. God, I can't even remember how many years ago it was. But that was really, really exciting. I mean, for three weeks, maybe even longer, all I did was stand at the photocopier all day long, like photocopying inspirational imagery and then chopping it up and presenting it to them. And they were like you know, you're doing tremendous work. This is so important. So it really showed me the amount of research that has to go into a collection, into a brand. I mean, from my perspective, it was so exciting to see like um, Lee might put some post-its on things and write little notes. So I got to see like his personal thoughts and notes um, on imagery and what he was actually looking at and whether it was like a buttonhole or embroidery or some textiles or whatever it was. So it was really amazing to have that kind of almost kind of a private insight into what he was thinking and what the other designers were thinking too. Um, so yeah, so, so what kind of started off as something that would be two weeks, I think I was there for about seven, eight months in the end. Yeah. I was still doing my BA at the time, actually. I was only, I was only in my second year when oh, wow. I started okay. doing that. And then during the summertime, then I continued with it. So I was maybe taking a couple of days during the week if I didn't have lectures to go to the studio or I was going to college working all day and then going to the studio at night because it never stopped at that studio. People will be working till like midnight, 1am. So even if I finished uni at like six, I would grab some food. Um, the McQueen studio was then located very close to the old St. Martin's building. And um, so I would just jump on the bus and then pop up to the studio and then do a couple of hours yeah, working there. So yeah, amazing. it was an amazing time. But actually what you were just saying, Christine, about having those insights, I mean, I sort of, again, I, you know, I don't know a lot about the internal workings of a fashion house, but you would imagine, am I cor correct me if I'm wrong, that in a such a big successful business as McQueen, an intern normally would be relatively distant from the designer themselves and yeah. actually having that kind of access and that kind of intimacy at that point in your career was presumably quite unique because you'd been kind of siphoned off with these couple of guys to start a new project like that's an incredible opportunity that that you came by absolutely I mean to be honest at the time I didn't really see it as you know as, as such because you know I was just there and I was excited to be there and you know I must say there were tons of other interns too but each intern kind of slotted into um, you know, maybe someone was really great at shoe design or maybe someone was really great at embroidery and they kind of ended up finding their area. And for me, it was, I really love research. I mean, for some people, they would be like, oh my God, you're photocopying all day. That's so crap, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I was like, oh my God, I'm getting to see all of these incredible artistic books that are from around the world that, you know, some of them you wouldn't even find in a library in the university. So I threw myself into it and absolutely loved it. So yeah, when I look back now, I'm like, oh my God, I was standing there reading like little private notes that he had written. Like how, how special was that? So special, so special. Um, so you then did your, your master's at St. Martin's um, in fashion design. And tell us about um, when you realised that you actually didn't want to be a designer, because obviously you've been working in a fashion house. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, you've spent, you've, by that stage, you'd spent probably seven years studying at that point. You know, like, how did, the, how did that realisation come about? And how did you kind of um, make peace with that decision that after all that work, perhaps being a fashion designer was actually not the road you wanted to travel? 
Yeah, I know. I was I was doing the course which everyone wants to do, the MA fashion, um, and at the time it was the the infamous Louise Wilson who who was teaching it, and. Um, and yeah, I just remember going in every day and just feeling really awful, <laughs> just looking <laughs> around going like, why am I here? And just thinking, oh God, you know, it kind of spending hours and hours alone in my studio, like designing, knitting, then going in and it was like, you know, hugely competitive. And um, I don't know, I just had that eureka moment one day when I was walking down Tottenham Court Road where I was like this actually makes me feel sick I really don't want to do this I don't want to be spending like 18 hours a day isolated in a studio like drawing and you know putting stuff together I actually want a job where I meet people and I have a bit more of a life you know um I don't want to be chained to a knitting machine or or that so yeah I just it was just out of nowhere where I had that drop and I just thought oh gosh I really don't want to do this so um so yeah it, it was it was kind of easy for me once I'd made the decision I have to admit my parents at the time were really encouraging they were like well if this is how you feel now how will you feel when you actually go and work in the industry you know your that feeling isn't going to go away they were kind of quite blunt about it they were like if this is if this is how you're feeling emotionally well then you don't want to continue feeling like this so change it um so it, it's it's one of those things because Louise Wilson the the person who was heading up the course had always kind of said to me like god if you could just do what you do for yourself she was like you know some people have it some people don't have it but she was like I see you you walk in the way you put yourself together you're so elegant your skill is just making people look like you if you could apply that thinking to someone else that's your job that's your strength so essentially she was saying kind of styling art direction creative direction she was like that's where your hidden talents are at the time I didn't see that she was trying to guide me that route I just thought it was a knock saying like you're not a good enough designer <laughs> you know and <laughs> um, she could be quite harsh she was known for being like very brutal and um, very direct kind of shouting at people um but this is what she would say to me and she was like I'm banging my head against a wall because you're not hearing what I'm saying and I have to admit it was a couple of years that I remember when the penny dropped I was walking up a canal in Hackney and I was like oh yeah what I'm doing now is what she was telling me to do. <laughs> but at the time when you're young and you're kind of, you feel, I, I don't know about you, but certainly when I was in my early 20s, when people said things that perhaps even weren't well meant, it's so easy yeah. to take them as criticism. And yeah. you've got so much this kind of internal narrative of perfectionism and wanting to be the best. And actually all you hear is, I'm not a good designer. Whereas actually what she's saying is, you could be a brilliant stylist. But but actually flipping that on its head, I think when you're when you're young and you're so desperate to impress people well certainly I was you know it's kind of so hard to see that isn't it yeah exactly so I never saw it I never saw it and she was like no come on play to your strengths I mean she was an amazing visionary that she could just see what people were good at and where they needed to go and she really did try to direct me but I just at the time wasn't having any of it <laughs> but I have to admit I, you know I was a bit clueless I just thought the only job you could have in the fashion industry was to be a designer to be a photographer to be a model or a journalist like I had no idea about any of the other careers 
that you could have had <laughs> at that time. <laughs> so, you know, when people said like, you know, creative director or stylist or fashion director, I thought, well, that sounds a bit fluffy. I don't really know what they do, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so, um, it, apparently she recognized that in me, but it took me a while to recognize that in myself. And so how did you kind of get into that? And so I know you were obviously working for Vivian Westwood. And my favorite, favorite thing of Christine is, is when you just kind of casually say, yeah, I met Gwen Stefani and she'd advised me to take up styling. And I'm like, I fucking <laughs> love Gwen Stefani. Like, oh my God. And you're so cash. I mean, you're so impressive and so modest. And that is one of the things I really love about you. But yeah, tell us about um, going to Vivian Westwood, which in itself, incredible experience. What a woman. Um, and how did that all kind of come together? Yeah. So it's, you know, one of these things where you, you don't have a plan, but a plan comes together. So I had decided that I wasn't going to do fashion design and I went on holiday for a few months and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to post some CVs at the time, like posting your CV was still the norm. And I thought by the time I get back from my holiday, maybe someone will have contacted me. And sure enough, someone had left a voicemail a few days before I got back. And it was Vivian Westwood. And they said, oh, can you come down to the store? We're looking for people in the store in Conduit Street. So I went there and I started working full time. And I think I was only there about a week or so. And a job vacancy came up in their couture boutiques. It was a very small private boutique um, in Davies Street, just around the corner. And they were like, oh, you have this background in fashion and everything. This would be really great for you. So um, all of a sudden I was doing private appointments. So it was, um, you know, for people who wanted to have some couture made, they would come in, they would see the samples. You could tell them what they could do, what they could change. Um, and then if they wanted to proceed, they would obviously have fittings with the couture team. Um, but it was it was my kind of... Um, job to do these kind of one two hour appointments with all of these private clients and then on top of that I I was dressing different celebrities you would get the call like such and such is going to an event or doing a red carpet can you put some looks together and then also I was working with stylists that were coming in pulling for their clients so I kind of got a, a 360 view um, you know, because I, I would be dealing with the press office, I would be dealing with the couture team, I would be dealing with stylists, all the different requests. So all of a sudden, I realized, oh, there's like this whole other job and the way press works and the way celebrity works and red carpet. And I just had my eyes open to the industry a lot more, the fashion and media industry as a whole. Um, and then I think I was there for, gosh, maybe six months or so. And I got a, a message to say that uh, Gwen Stefani was coming. She wanted to do some shopping. She wanted to do some appointments. So I had put together some pieces for her, some outfits for her. Um, and, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s, like no doubt was the coolest oh band. Yeah. Still is. Oh and Dylan. Gavin from when she was going out with Gavin Rostow yes like the yes highlight of the 90s <laughs> <laughs> absolutely loved him. yeah yeah but you know she was always my style icon growing up so I was like oh my god I'm getting to like dress my style icon and I must admit she was that she was the most amazing woman I've ever met absolutely gorgeous so beautiful like when you see her in pictures that is really how she looks in real life she's so beautiful so kind so lovely so down to earth like really sweet um and you know then she just started saying to me like oh you know talking to me as if I'm a stylist and I was kind of like oh 
well, I'm not actually a star. I'm just, I'm just working here until I figure out what it is that I want to do. <laughs> she was kind of like, well, you're quite good at this, you know? And she actually said to me, like, maybe I can hook you up with my stylist and you can start working with my stylist and helping her. Um, and at the time I didn't have the confidence to be like, yeah, give me this. <laughs> yes, give me her number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was kind of a bit like, oh, okay. Thanks, you know, but she really encouraged me and she had some really nice things to say. And, you know, even she was like, Oh, are you coming around with us to the other stores? And I was like, Oh, no, I have to stay here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whereas I should have been like, Yeah, I'm coming, you know. Put me in your private car, Gwen Stefan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally, she was like, Are you coming in the car? Are you coming to like the other stores? Are you spending the day with me? And I was like, No. Um, I think I was, you know, just too young, too naive. But then I think that meeting really left a big impression on me that I was like wow if she thinks I can do it I can do it like if I've just met someone who's my style icon and they've been really impressed with what I've put together for them and how I've put it together and and they're referring to me as a really great stylist and you know asking what kind of shoe would you put with this how would you know little questions and I just thought, wow, I can totally do this. <laughs> I'd never thought about it. You know, I never really seen myself as a stylist. I was like, I'm just doing this job until I figure out what it is I'm going to do with my life. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, yeah, do that, you know? And that's how it happens. Yeah, amazing. And so you you branched out on your own um, and, and built your portfolio. Um, and, you know, the people, the list of people that Christine has dressed is very impressive you know there's Lewis Hamilton Naomi Harris Alan Rickman Boy George Victoria Pendleton Leona Lewis I mean the list goes on and on and on like she has dressed some seriously cool people you know when you meet these people because so much of dressing is very personal and it's so personality related and how do you go about putting looks together for people that you don't know do you know how much do you look at what they've worn before or how do you kind of pull in styles for them I guess Christina can you talk us a little bit about the process I suppose of course. I mean, first of all, there's always a brief and a mood board that you have to work to. So for example, let's just say the whole outfit has to be pink, you know, like there could be some mood board in mind. So that they tell you that, do they, that they want to wear something pink? Or um, a lot of the time it's me coming up with the creative direction or the fashion direction for the magazine or for the shoot. So there could be kind of, you know, a theme. Um, so you always have to keep that in mind. But what I tend to do is I tend to research them online. And when I say research, I don't mean like what they ate for breakfast or who they're dating. It's really like <laughs> what kind of outfits do they like to wear? Like, do they only ever wear trouser suits or do they only ever wear long sleeves? Or, you know, do they like to wear plunging necklines or high-waisted trousers or whatever it is? So you can actually see with people, they tend to wear similar styles a lot um you know you can tell if some people really don't like to show their arms or you know they always cover up or maybe people love to wear high heels or maybe they only wear flats so I try and research all of these little um style details I also tend to take a look at recent press see what designers they're working with see what other designers have been lending to them also looking at their Instagram maybe they're a face of a particular brand um, or they tend to work with, with various brands and um, then 
I kind of see, okay, I kind of get a picture of, um, you know, where, what, what brands they're aligning to. What you also need to keep in mind is who you were shooting for. So a particular magazine will also have brands that they tend to work with a lot, or they have their kind of target brand list. And sometimes people kind of think, oh, it's really easy dressing celebrities. Sometimes it can be tricky because maybe the brands that that celebrity aligns with don't actually align with the magazine. So there's always like a little bit of like shuffling that you have to do in the middle. Um, but yeah, that's ten, that tends to be how I go about researching for dressing for celebrities. I mean, of course, you're dressing um, a person. You have to, you know, take their decisions into account. Different if it's a model where they're showing up and they're just wearing the look that you want them to, to wear for a fashion editorial. Um, you know, if it's, if it's a portrait for a celebrity, of course, they want to look like a really great version of themselves. Um, so, you know, if you've brought them like a pink feather boa <laughs> and they're like, no, that is so not me, then yeah, of course, you know, they're not going to wear it. Um, and they get a say in that. But I find by doing a lot of research and, and bringing people a lot of options, um, obviously I limit it down and kind of say, well, these are the looks, this is what I'm thinking. But I always have tons of backup options that, you know, if there's something that they want tweaked or changed, they're really comfortable that um, that they that we can do that. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite confident in how I put things together, but I never want you know, celebrities to feel pressured, like they have to wear something. I always make sure that they know it's about them. And they also are part of the creative process. And they also can make some decisions. So I mean, for me, I have to admit, most people just show up and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's really great. That's really great. Or like, oh, I really like that. But I'd like to wear the brown jacket instead of the navy jacket, you know, and then it's like little, little tweaks like that. But, but yeah, a lot of it comes down to the research. Yeah. And what about dressing for the red carpet? Like I would imagine going to those big events where people are having their photograph taken a lot. Um, I I just, I laughed watching, I don't know if you've watched Call My Agent on Netflix, but there's a scene in there with Juliette Binoche where she's, um, she makes a cameo appearance and she's asked to wear this kind of feather number for an award ceremony. And what she actually wants to wear is a tuxedo suit, like a smoking jacket, because she's like, I'd just be so much more comfortable. And it kind of made me wonder like how often celebrities are kind of, you know, poured into outfits that they hate and they're really uncomfortable. And that, you know, you just kind of think of them thinking, I can't wait to take this off, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, how, how do you kind of go about selecting for the red carpet events? And, and I guess it's, um, the question of the comfort comfort over fashion for something like that, yeah. you know, the balance. Yeah, I think it depends on who the person is. Like some clients, you know, they're like, I just want to feel comfortable or like don't care. And then, <laughs> you know, some other clients are like, I want to look like this and I don't care if it's six inch heels and my feet are killing. So it really depends on the person. Um, people will be surprised to hear that sometimes it can be very quick and last minute for red carpet. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah. Sometimes it really, you are really deciding very um, like literally as the hair and makeup is being done. So as a stylist, you really need to nail it and just come with a lot of options. Usually it's in a hotel room close to the venue or wherever it is. Um, and you know, if it's one, if it's one dress required, you might show up with like 40 you know <laughs> oh my god really yeah I, I yeah, thought it yeah, might be like yeah. 10 or something wow no like sometimes you might have quite a lot 
Um, but, you know, in, in other cases, maybe you work very closely with a particular fashion house, then you have something unique created um, or you work with designers. Like a lot of times I will speak with designers and say, well, this is what I'm thinking. This is what we'd like to go for. You know, maybe it's focusing some, on something that's like an off the shoulder. And then I collaborate with a designer and then that designer comes up with something really special uh, for the celebrities to wear. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so once you were kind of going out there and styling, you know, doing lots of sort of celebrity styling, you then went on to be fashion editor at a couple of magazines before becoming a kind of creative director and a, and a, and a consultant fashion director. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about in the world of kind of, I guess, high fashion and, and magazines, what your role as a creative director entails? Because I think it's one of those things you sort of, you see the name of the creative director printed in Vogue or wherever. What's your kind of job with that, Christine? Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I must say also, I'd always been working as the creative director for all of my shoots, pretty much all of my shoots, even when I was kind of a fashion editor and various styles. It's something I've been doing for a really long time, but now I'm I'm kind of focusing a lot more on as you know doing jobs where I maybe just I'm a creative director, but not necessarily styling. And um, but the role is really being the visionary, coming up with the idea, and you know making sure that that concept is so clear for everybody to see, bringing the team together, bringing everything together kind of like you're the driver and you're putting everyone on the bus and you're making sure that they're getting to you know the final destination um and you're obviously making the decisions on everything based on whether you feel it is right for that final destination that vision so you you need to be really clear and really strong and really unwavering and um, on what it is and you know how how you get the results, making sure you have the right people around you for a particular job. So yeah, I, I love I love the creative direction side of things. You're obviously managing quite a lot of people on a day to day basis, pulling all the strings, getting everything in line, and making sure that everything's happening at the right moment. How many people would a a big shoot for you know a, a glossy involve? Do you know, it's funny. It really really depends. Like sometimes you can do the most incredible shoots with really big celebrities. Like I've done shoots um, with some one person who does hair and makeup combined, me styling and creative directing and a photographer, you know, and three of us have gone out and yacht and shot something like really amazing. And then I've had other shoots where maybe you have like 50 people on set. So it really, really depends. If you start doing things like music videos, oh my God, then it goes up. (laughs) Like there's just so many people, like the cold sheet is like pages and pages and pages long. So it really depends. I personally don't like tons of people on set I like to just surround myself with people who I know are really solid really talented and really fantastic at what they do and that don't need like 50 assistants you know maybe they have like one assistant who's really brilliant so personally I tried to keep the numbers down so if I can keep it like maybe you know between like five and ten people that's good for me yeah definitely definitely so, so you were obviously before lockdown, you were kind of flying all over the world and shooting in LA and Miami, Paris, like all over the shop. Um, how did you kind of balance your life and your work? What were you doing in terms of, you know, making sure you were looking after yourself and, and really just balancing work and life with lots and lots of international travel? 
I think it's safe to say I probably wasn't looking after myself. <laughs> if I'm honest and that's the one thing that lockdown has taught me like oh my god I need to look after myself more um so yeah so I'm definitely going to be changing things how I go move forward um but it can't I mean for me it just became normal like you know you kind of it's like oh what time zone am I on today okay great and you know you kind of just work around it or I'm like well I'm awake now and it's three o'clock in the morning somewhere I'm just going to work and then go back to bed so I kind of became quite used to working that way and traveling and really using my time my travel time for you know like preparing stuff doing meetings you know always getting wi-fi on planes stuff like that but I think what lockdown has taught me is I don't have to do that much anymore. That actually um, there's certain things that can be done over Zoom, you know, or bringing different productions together or not needing to fly around the world to do things like maybe just finding somewhere in the UK that looks like it's Miami, you know. <laughs> we, 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 we don't tough need when there's to no sunshine. do all of that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Tough when there's no sunshine. Although I wouldn't turn down a trip to the Maldives or somewhere <laughs> like that. But, you know, like, I'm sure we can find some palm trees in the UK to to shoot at. I read that you'd been featured in Vogue about your kind of innovative working practices, I guess, which I'm actually super interested in. And, you know, flying all over the world doesn't just have implications like financially, it's it's exhausting. It's, it's you know, there's the climate aspect of it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of, I just wonder whether that will be quite irrevocably changed in terms of business, maybe. Amazingly, I've actually been able to do a lot of shoots from Zoom and continue working and working with clients in ways that I I never realized I could. Like Zoom has just changed, changed how we all were. It kind of work and life was one, but I, I must admit, I do love what I do. So I don't feel like I'm, you know, working when I'm working. I just feel like I'm making art with my friends and loving it. That's amazing. You know, when you're doing years and years of that and you're doing lots of shoots for, uh, you know, big names, how do you get your inspiration? You know, how do you keep things fresh and not get things looking samey? Like, what do you turn to, to, to be inspired when you're thinking about a new shoot, particularly something that's got big expectations behind it you know how do you kind of keep it rolling and keep the kind of newness and freshness coming with every shoot that you do Christine yeah well I think a huge part of that is just carving out time to be inspired so you know always going to art galleries and you know I, I try and build that into my time even if I'm meeting someone for a coffee and I know there's a couple of small art galleries near where I'm meeting them I'll just arrive like 15 minutes earlier and you know just have a quick breeze through a gallery, find an artist, find a piece of work that I really like, or maybe go to like a little boutique that I haven't been to, have a quick look. So I'm always kind of seeing, okay, what's near where my meeting is so I can spend like a couple of minutes like getting a new perspective or finding out something new. Um, I love to look at archives. So I spend a lot of time in Central St. Martin's in their library looking through. They have these fantastic archives from like Vogue, Harper's, you know, like since the beginning. And they're all bound in these huge books. So oh, really wow. iconic. Amazing. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. So just looking at really iconic fashion imagery from, you know, however the last however many years or reading books like historical books um like uh, you know anything that should like I love the golden age of Hollywood I love watching tons of old movies just 
anything that inspires me visually. I love documentaries, actually. I think documentaries are a really great way to be inspired or kind of costume dramas like I, I don't know if you watch it it's uh Versailles it's on mm, Amazon mm, mm. so you know tv shows like that I'm like oh oh my god it keeps me so inspired really sumptuous um, yeah yeah just so rich and gorgeous and <laughs> the fabrics and you know the, the attention to detail through the styling is incredible and then of course just reading lots of magazines and researching online um and I do follow a lot of people on Instagram I, I try and keep my Instagram inspirational. So I have one account, which is, you know, all of my friends and everything. And they have one account where I follow like, you know, interesting architects, designers, sculptors, uh, fashion designers, etc. So every time I look at it, I'm like, wow, that's interesting. That's interesting. You know, mm. I was actually just about to make a comment about um, a talking about the Fierce Group. But so Christine's new company is called the Fierce Group. And actually, I was off the back of what you were just saying, going to say, <laughs> go follow that. Because if you love a beautiful aesthetic and amazing imagery, you can kind of see through your Instagram, the kind of places your inspiration comes from, I think a little bit, Christine, because the images you feature there are absolutely beautiful I adore it when I see that you've been posting because I'm like oh god I love everything and you know just kind of seeing that that old school you know lots of kind of classic Vogue images and and stuff not just fashion but from the natural world and from kind of what the wider world as well I just find really inspiring and, and I absolutely love that account I have to say Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, you've described it perfectly. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it really is like inspiration comes from everywhere. And just because my area of expertise is kind of fashion style culture, you know, I can I can look beyond that. It doesn't mean that, you know, I can't be inspired by architecture for something that I'm doing with a client that needs, you know, a lot of fashion is inspired by architecture. It's quite sculptural. So I think, you know, with the fierce group and with the Instagram that I have, it's just a little bit of a, a look inside my brain and the company's brain, you know, what we're actually looking at and what's inspiring us and, you know, what are the stories going on behind different things. And uh, yeah, so it's just like my you know, where my head is at, what I've seen that day, and I tend to to post it. Mm, it's cool. Obviously, you've been working as a kind of creative director and, and consultant stylist for quite a while, but you've established the Fierce Group to kind of inspire and train teams as well, just across the fashion industry, um, you know, visual re- merchandising and retail, wholesale, etc. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you decided to extend I guess your your role as a creative director into helping other people and really just extending your reach Christine like how did you kind of make that move because that's a new company that you've established during the lockdown awesome yes and you know it's a big lockdown. move it's a bit of a change of little bit of a change of direction a little bit of a pivot like how's that come about well I must admit the fierce group is something I've been doing for over five years oh, but right. never gave it get, never gave it its own brand <laughs> so <laughs> this is the, the thing um you know you and I but have a mutual friend, Poppy Delbridge. And it was when I was kind of discussing uh, what I did with her, she was like, you realize you have this whole other brand that people don't realize that you're doing quite successfully and getting a lot of results. And, you know, at the time I thought like, oh, well, I've kind of listed myself, you know, it's consultancy. I work as a consultant. And then I thought, gosh, what is that? Like, really, I've kind of kept this hidden. So um, the brand itself and the company itself, yes, is new and was established. Um, 
during the lockdown, but it's actually uh, work that I've been doing for over five years and with clients that I've been working with for five years, but I just decided to give it its own brand and visibility um, and, and, and basically not keep that side of my work hidden, give it its own voice. Um, so the core elements of what I do is the combination of kind of experimental learning, uh, focusing on fashion, culture and style, and then fusing that together with kind of hand on styling workshops so really um you know helping companies work with their teams training their talent by investigating the origins of style trends and just placing a really strong focus on iconic subcultural movements so cool so cool and um you've mentioned already about your kind of love of animals and you know you and I have both have our doggies and you take yours around with you everywhere which I love and then you have really strong ethical values and and kind of I know that those ethics really translate into your own brand and your own work how do you kind of square the circle with some of the more difficult aspects of the fashion industry I guess Christine you know obviously there's um things about fur do you put an emphasis on using ethical brands within your styling or how do you kind of marry your values into the work that you're doing yeah well I don't shoot fur and I always I'm like very very clear on that like fur exotic skins is a no um sometimes you'll find brands will tell you like oh no this doesn't contain fur or it's faux fur and then you find out that they did send you fur and I'm like oh I want to kill you <laughs> um you know so I, I kind of am aware of the brands who work with a lot of fur and I, I will say like oh I you know I really love the collection but it's it's just really disappointing that there was so much fur on show and that would kind of put me off so I'm actually quite vocal about it um with the brands directly um and I think now they're really really starting to take it on board um before maybe they wouldn't have listened like back when I started people were kind of like okay yeah whatever but now they're they're quite respectful and you know there's there's certain brands maybe certain fashion houses uh, sorry certain PRs that will say like oh we have like these brands but we won't show you like four of those because we know they won't match up to you know what you're about and so I do try and you know really focus on people who have banned fur <laughs> from their collections. So I tend to gravitate more towards those. Um, I am interested in kind of working with new sustainable brands, uh, brands that are bringing, you know, like different types of leather, like this pineapple leather, apple leather, all of that. So if a brand has incorporated that into their collection, I'm more enticed to work with them. That's like kind of like a, it sets off a little light bulb in my mind where I'm like, oh, I want to see this. You know, I want to promote this. I want to use this. Mm. I love this conversation. I think it's really important to have as well. Mm. Um, Christine, I was just going to wrap up by saying, asking you, like, what's going on for you in the next upcoming months? Where can people find you? Where can they see your work? Um, give us a little plug, I guess, for um, for where people can follow you and see you. Oh, well, you can follow me at Christine Kilty, my name. That's where you can see all of my work as a creative fashion director. Um, and then also at The Fierce Group, which is my agency. So both of those are on Instagram. And in terms of what I'm doing over the next month, gosh, it's going to be it's going to be a busy month. Um, I have an advertising campaign in London happening. And then after that, I'm flying to Monaco um, for a shoot down there. It's a cover shoot. So that's going to be it'll be nice to 
see some sunshine, get some nice fresh sea air. Um, and then after that, I guess we'll see what happens. I think everything's starting to open up again slowly, isn't it? So I'm sure by the time we get through April, and there were lots of other plans and exciting things happening. Definitely, definitely. And I know that you're really into kind of encouraging other women in the industry. So um, I'll pop Christine's uh, website in the show notes and you can go check her out there and um, definitely follow her on Instagram as well. She is an amazing person. Um, I'm Christine, I'm so happy that you joined me on the pod today. Thank you so much for your time. I'm super, super grateful. This has been a wonderful conversation and I know there'll have been a lot of inspiration in there for, you know, people who are desperate to get into fashion because it's definitely seen as one of those industries that's super hard to get into and I know that you are really big on kind of put, paying it forward and encouraging those coming behind you. So hopefully there'll have been some little tidbits in this conversation for people to uh, to be of interest, which is cool. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Naomi. That's all for this week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please just share it wherever you can on your own social media. And if you found the podcast interesting or useful, then do please tell a friend because we are always keen for new listeners. If you can find it in your heart to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or give us a shout out on your socials, then we'd love you very much as it genuinely does help other people to find us. We're on Instagram and Facebook at The Skylark Collective and our website is www.skylarkcollective.co.uk. See you next time. <laughs>